Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. In Creekwood, today's scripture comes from Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Hear now the word of God. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want you to imagine for just a moment that you are a person living in ancient Israel. So you have grown up in an established home, in an established town in the Promised Land. You've been told your whole life the story of Moses and how God led the people out of Egypt when they were enslaved. Maybe you heard about your great-great-grandfamilies who um, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, the people who were in between Egypt and the Promised Land. You've heard stories about the first people that finally got to the spot that God had promised them. Maybe you hear stories about um, the building of the temple in Jerusalem. That worshiping God is no longer something that we do in a tent and something we can pack up and take with us, but instead there's a place that we go. Yom Kippur was this past week, and so if you were an ancient Israelite person, um, you would look forward to that time where the head of the household and your family would go to Jerusalem to celebrate Yom Kippur to atone for the sins of your family for the year. And then come some Babylonians, and they capture everyone you know. They capture you, and they make us move 900 miles away from our land flowing with milk and honey. And we have to move to Babylon. We have to speak a new language, probably have to eat some different food, and most of us would be given a new name. And then, this guy named Jeremiah, with all of his audacity, starts sending letters. Jeremiah was told, remember last week in children's time, we learned that when he was just a kid, that he was going to get to deliver some really important messages for God. But what I didn't say last week was that Jeremiah's messages for God were never, great job, everyone, you're doing awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. 
Jeremiah was never in the attaboy, girl business. And if you've ever studied the book of Jeremiah, and hopefully maybe um, the sermon series would encourage you to do so, it's written more like a scrapbook. There are pieces and parts of history and letter and narrative, and if you want to use your fancy big boy word of eschatology, that is in there as well. Jeremiah is the guy in the friend group that never has anything to say that makes you feel better. Jeremiah is the guy that after you order your water with lemon at the restaurant, tells you that over 70% of lemon wedges in restaurants have at least 25 different kinds of microbacteria. And he doesn't do it to show off and to be the smartest guy in the room. And it's not exactly the news you want to hear at the time, but Jeremiah knows that it's important. Stop putting lemons in your water. And so then this section that Paul read for us comes to today, and Jera writes to the people, and this is part of another letter, right, in this section in Jeremiah 29, and Jeremiah tells the people who are in exile that they need to live in the land, they need to live normal lives, and in fact, they need to wish for the prosperity of their captors. So I want you to go back to imagining yourself as an ancient Israelite person, all that you've been through, and then you receive this letter, and hopefully you are thinking to yourself, what the what? Jeremiah, this guy, really has to let Israel know what their wrongdoing is. When they forget God, they, he is the guy that has to be concerned about Israel's idolatry when they are straying from God, when they are putting things in front of God. And now, he has the audacity to tell them, yeah, this exile situation that you're in, you need to embrace it. If I was a person who lived in ancient Israel, I would feel like either Jeremiah or God was trying to pull a fast one on me, like I was on candid camera. And this may be a huge revelation to you all this morning, and hopefully children's time kind of opened it up a little bit for you, but exile is not a fun place to be. Exile is not just that you are forced out of a place where you want to be, but you are forced to assimilate. You are forced to go live in another place that you don't know, probably adopt a language you don't know, eat foods that are strange, maybe wear clothing that's different. There are some people who study the Bible that um, argue that this long form of punishment is actually torture. But there are all kinds of exile around us. So who in here was not born or raised in Texas? My goodness, but you got here as fast as you could, right? Okay, so for those of you who weren't born here in Texas, tell me you don't feel like you are in exile sometimes. We root for sports teams that let us down every year like a bad relationship. Texans really do say, like we have our own language, we say the darndest things. We have some food options that um, you don't find anywhere else, for better or worse. And if 
if that doesn't make you miss where you come from, perhaps like this week's weather report um, doesn't make you miss. Those of you who came from anywhere, just like, a, I mean, even Oklahoma is going to look better than us this week weather-wise, right? As the resident music geek in my um, friendship circle, I feel exiled because I really want to go to the symphony for like the regular like Mozart, Beethoven stuff, but my friends will only go if it's like the Star Wars John Williams night. Have you ever been forced out of a relationship of some kind? Maybe through a breakup or a divorce? And even if you're not part of the couple that separates, you are still forced to exile multiple parties when a relationship is ending. Everyone has to pick a side and stay there and assimilate to that new world. We put family members of ours in exile if they think or believe or are something that we not even disagree with, but if we just think differently. We decide that they need to go over there. They don't get to be part of us anymore. We've decided that this long-form punishment for differences is the way to go about solving our problems. Who in here has ever once in your life, even for two seconds, felt alone? So imagine the people of Israel, these people who um, for most of their existence as a people have had no place to call home. Other nations in the world do not like them. They were told by God's messenger then, after they've been exiled of their home, that they had for maybe a couple of years to assimilate, to live a life in a new land. Jeremiah tells the people that they have to embrace the world that they have been exiled to. That is like asking a Starbucks in Central Texas to start serving Big Red and barbecue. Jeremiah's instruction to embrace exile is absolutely absurd. Bless you. And yet this absurd word from Jeremiah is the word that God sends through the prophet. The sermon series postcard from Babylon, we're looking at what is called in the Old Testament as the exilic period. And if you want to use that word at your next party, I completely encourage that for your cool vocabulary moment. And it's really easy for us to read these stories in exile and think that there are certain messages that maybe apply. But this morning, I want to challenge you, and I want you to think about that this story applies a lot more than we might think initially it does. I would like us to consider this morning that we, in fact, right now, are in exile, but not in the way that you might think. As David mentioned last week, 
Christianity, and particularly American Christianity, over the last couple of decades has had a um, habit of claiming itself to be at war with the culture that surrounds us. And truthfully, millions of dollars have been poured into this industry that is finding ways to, um, to, to force uh, Christianity into culture through theater, through art, through music, through politics, because if we don't force Christianity into culture, it's going to get put in exile and forgotten. We're afraid that if Christianity gets put in exile, Christianity won't look like Christianity anymore, or at least our definition of it. But this morning, I want us to see, not as American Christians, But as Christians, daughters and sons who are children of Christ the King are in exile. Not in exile as the way that maybe we've been told. It's not Christianity against culture, but we are in exile between two periods of God's presence here on earth. There is hope for a future where God will reign on earth. There will be no more fighting. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more sad diagnosis. And thank God there will be no more exile. We will praise God and that will be a good thing. Now don't hear me wrong. Um, This is not like a doomsday, like don't go buy a bunch of canned goods situation. Like we're not turning this into like a prepper's sermon. And I don't think this time is coming anytime soon. But friends, your citizenship has nothing to do with this country and nothing to do with this world. Jesus is not some mascot that runs through a tunnel with a bunch of smoke machines that we cheer for in the stands. We are in exile. People in exile don't get mascots. We are in a strange land. We are in a land that knows the good news of the resurrected Jesus and waits for his eventual return. That is your homeland. And it's weird and it doesn't make sense. We are made in the image of God who flipped the script on death, who broke the rules of the world, the Jesus who came and told us to love our neighbor and the all-sustaining presence of the Holy Spirit that keeps moving to this day. So what are we supposed to do with Jeremiah's words, really God's words, telling the people to assimilate in a strange land that they now inhabit? We embrace exile We settle into the land and the life that we are given. We have children and we train them to live their lives in the life that they have been given. Jeremiah tells the people that um, their change in their exile status will come, but that is going to take time. Jeremiah says it's going to take generations. And Pastor David's going to preach on that next Sunday, so be sure you come back to catch that part. But being in exile does not mean you get to give up. Being in exile doesn't mean that you get to do nothing. 
And that's exactly what Jeremiah is getting at here. There are things to be done, a life to be lived, a land to take care of, an exile to be embraced. If you ever study the book of Jeremiah, and again, if you're going to read the Bible, don't read it front to back because you'll get confused. But when you're studying Jeremiah, study Daniel right next to it. Always have those two open at the same time. The book of Daniel is, um, it gets a bad rap for being weird. Um, But Daniel is a book that is written in the time of the Babylonian exile, and it gives examples of what the people were doing to follow Jeremiah's words, but also where the line was drawn. The book of Daniel opens up with four Hebrew men who have been taken. They are part of the group that has been taken and put into exile, but because they're smart and handsome and well-endowed, they get to go to the palace. They enter into this three-year education system where they are going to be made to be smart, handsome, well-endowed Babylonian men. And they are given new names. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? Shadrach. Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. We don't memorize their Hebrew names. We memorize their exile names. But they were summoned and they were educated and they were trained so that they could assist the monarch, the very guy that took them over. And every part of their Israelite and Hebrew identity was taken from them even their name. And then something interesting happened. When the men were in the palace and it came time for that that first school meal, Daniel asked if there was any way that they could keep their kosher diet because there was a lot of pork around in the palace, apparently. And the king said, That's kind of weird, but okay. And Daniel says, fine, put us to the test. So for 10 days, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ate nothing but fresh fruit and vegetables and water. While the other peers in this, you know, Babylonian King Preparatory Academy were eating kind of whatever was served, right? Pork, wine, maybe some fruits and vegetables. And after 10 days, they lined up everybody side by side. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were clearly stronger, clearly more mindful. Your name could be changed. Your home could be changed. But for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what went on the inside of them mattered. For them, keeping a kosher diet was not necessarily just for the physical benefits, but for them, it was a way of honoring God. Remember, in the ancient Israelite culture, monotheism, having one God, was weird. And so when these people in the palace said, no, we... What goes on the inside of me matters. They didn't draw the line at their name. They didn't draw their line at entering into this education system. They drew the line on what went on the inside of their bodies.
They knew that there were parts of their life that were going to change in exile, but the things that went on in the inside of them could not. We are in exile. We are between where we came from, which is Christ's resurrection, and what we hope for one day, which is Christ's return. Until then, we live in exile. But exile does not mean that we do nothing. Just like Daniel, we should be concerned about what's going on on the inside of us. Though we may assimilate to where we are exiled on the outside, we need to pay special attention to what we are feeding ourselves on the inside. And I'm not talking about keeping kosher, so you can relax. But we embrace exile by making sure that what is available to us, that is God's best for us, gets inside of us. So yes, I'm going to tell you this morning that I think it is very important that we come to church every week to hear God's word, be in community, and serve one another. And I know you've got great communities and great friends and great happy hours and football games that you think feel like church, but I'm going to be really hard on you this morning and say, no, it's not. But I'm not concerned about your church attendance this morning. What is just as important is when you walk out those doors and you're focusing on what's going on inside of you. Are we praying? Are we reading scripture? Are we keeping in contact with the community that we have on Sundays to begin with? Are we inviting people to come be part of exile with us? Now, that's a strange invitation to an even stranger party, right? Have you ever, like, come wander in the wilderness for me for a bit. It's going to be weird. Nothing's going to be the same. That should be how Christ's resurrection is for us. This is life-changing news. And a good example of this is one of our upcoming events. So in a couple weeks, we have Trunk or Treat, which, by the way, Coming to trunk or treat does not replace your Sunday morning attendance. But instead, this is a time where we are reaching out to our community and inviting them to an exile party. And having an event centered around Halloween, and I, I grew up in a world where Christians weren't allowed to celebrate Halloween because we thought that it was culture taking over. Having an event centered around Halloween, which by the way is like Christian adjacent holiday, but this doesn't mean that Creekwood is giving into culture or losing some sort of battle with the world. There are going to be kids getting candy. But it, it means that we are embracing our state of being in exile. It is not a bad thing to be in the world. There are good things in this world that bring us closer to God. But friends, remember this morning that we are already in exile. We are on our way, thank God, towards something that is better than anything we experienced during this time. 
And that is something that we should want within the very depths of ourselves to want to invite every single person we know to come be part of. Come be in exile with me. Come and be in this in-between space, something that was very good and something that is even better because we are in the right now. So this week, I hope that you are concerned about what is going on on the inside of you. And if you need Bible reading plans or prayer guides, we are always happy to provide those for you. But embrace exile. Embrace being in the world, but knowing that what is going on in the inside of you has nothing to do with the world and everything to do with God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this compilation scrapbook that is the book of Jeremiah. We thank you for calling him from such a young age to deliver really, really hard messages to the Israelite people and to us. God, soften our hearts so that we might understand that we are not at war with the world around us, but instead we are to embrace it. But God, also help us, just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to know where the line is. May we be concerned with what is going on on the inside of us. Create in us clean hearts and make us anew so that we may continue to serve you more and more. Help us extend invitations to the exile party. God, we hope and we long for the day where we will know you face to face and we won't be in exile anymore. But until then, we ask you to help us embrace it. And it's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.